Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. I am here. It is 11.15 p.m. The Rangers won game number one of the Eastern Conference Final by a score of 5-2. to two. Thoroughly, convincingly, almost as if they were issuing a statement to the Tampa Bay Lightning about being ready for this moment. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals that was played yesterday when I had recorded an episode previewing the Eastern Conference Finals. But before we get to today's show, I do have to remind everyone to help support the show. So, number one, please, please, please subscribe to the show wherever you like to get your podcasts. We're available on all the major podcasting platforms. Number two, if you are using Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I implore you to leave the show a review it helps the show out a lot. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's really easy to do. All you got to do on Apple Podcasts, once you've hit that plus sign in the top right corner to subscribe, scroll past the most recent five or six episodes. Underneath that, there's going to be five clear purple stars. Hit that. That's leaving the show a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. If you are so inclined to feeling nice, leave the show a few words. Positive feedback is very nice. It helps grow the show. It helps other people find the show. So, with those two caveats said, I'm very impressed, man. They came out tonight and played the way they are capable of playing. It was a very convincing effort tonight. It took them a little while to get their feet under them. I thought the first period was a little bit choppy. I know the Rangers scored first, like a minute 15, minute 20 into the game. Kreider and Zabinijad on that breakaway because Kucherov kind of didn't expect Zabinijad to break in on him there. And then Tampa came back down and scored, made it one-to-one. That Stamkos line was excellent in that first period. I thought Stamkos and Kucherov playing together was probably about as dangerous looks-wise as Tampa was generating tonight. But they got it to 1-1 there. At the end of one, I felt, okay, uh, Tampa definitely controlled the flow of things. I believe it was something, I want to say, 70% of the expected goals in the first period. And then from there, the game started to kind of get going in a way the Rangers needed it to. And that's what you're going to get for the appetizer. I'll see you guys on the other side of the drop. We'll talk a little bit about what worked so well for the Rangers tonight, what didn't work for Tampa, and what you can take away from game number one going forward. I'll see you guys in one second. And with that, we will get on into game number one. So... The first thing I really want to touch on here. So, you don't win a hockey game 5-2 to two without taking advantage of another team's mistakes. If you win by that margin in a sport like hockey, that typically means the other team made mistakes. And for the Rangers, in this game, they capitalized on the mistakes that Tampa was making. And it was nice to see the Rangers get rewarded for playing hard and playing... I'm going to say the right way in air quotes, because for the most part, they kept it simple. I mean, that kid line in the second period, Hedo, Lafreniere, and Kako were outstanding because they kept things simple. 
that first goal they set up, that happens because they prolong the cycle. They keep the puck moving along the perimeter. They get that puck below the goal line. Kako wins a loose puck down there, and he waits because nobody's coming to pressure him, and Hedl leaks in there in that danger zone area where you want to be getting your scoring chances from in that close slot in between the two circles, and rips an absolute missile by Vasilevsky. And that's the kind of goal... That's the kind of goal that's encouraging because it shows you the reward for good process. If you're consistently winning the puck in that high danger area, if you're getting those pucks from below the other team's goal line and they're scrambling because you have the puck, that is how you start to build momentum. Even if you're not getting great looks, even if the puck's not going in, if you consistently win the puck below the other team's goal line, get it back out to the point, or in this case, get it to the slot, that is how you get rewarded for hard work. That's the kind of thing that really will make a difference over the course of a long series. Now, it's only game number one. Tampa will adjust. Um, I thought the first period was pretty even. I would say Tampa controlled the play for the most part. They ended 1-1. That first Rangers power play didn't look great. It's never good when a guy like Nick Paul, who is a, a reasonably good hockey player but not an elite player, is killing a penalty basically by himself. I, I mean, I still vividly have the picture in my head of him pressing on the forecheck with four Ranger skaters kind of staring at him, waiting for him to back off, and that killing 35 seconds off the first power play. And then that second power play unit with the kids and Vetrano and Truba getting a little bit of zone time but not really getting anything too great. After that first period, I felt, okay, they're going to rely on Igor to do this for them. And don't get me wrong, Igor made a bunch of outstanding saves in this game, but tonight, you gotta give credit where it's due, and I thought the forecheck was outstanding tonight. I know Tampa's running that 11 forward, 7 defenseman configuration, so their pairs can get a little bit wonky sometimes, their lines can get a little bit wonky, but it really did feel like, for the first time, maybe since game one two against Carolina, that the Rangers really were aggressively forechecking, really taking away space from the other team, and forcing them to play faster than they want to. I think that's the sign of knowing when a forecheck is doing a good job, is if the defenseman who has the puck is just trying to get rid of the puck, if they're treating the puck like a hand grenade as opposed to a puck, that usually means they're not feeling confident in their ability to make a good play. So if you can consistently force the defenseman into making those mistakes over and over again, that is where you can start to make progress in the flow of the game. If you are taking away the other team's space and making them make decisions before they're ready to, that is how you take over a game. That is how you impose your will on this game. I thought Zabinijad, Kreider, and Vitrano were pretty much outstanding. That was the best line in the first period when we were kind of getting through that feeling out process that always happens early on in playoff series. But that line was getting zone time. It was getting the puck in deep. It wasn't getting great looks, but they were keeping the puck in the other in the Tampa zone. And that's a real encouraging sign for the Rangers because now that they were able to play like that in game one, Tampa will make adjustments 100%. The Rangers know they can play this style. They know they can handle what Tampa wants to do. Tampa is a very structured, 
very disciplined team. But tonight, because the Rangers got them uncomfortable, that kind of unraveled a little bit. You saw it on that second goal that the Heatle line scored, where they had zone time for, I want to say it was two-plus minutes of zone time. You have that sequence where the puck goes down low, Fox jumps to keep the puck in the zone, he passes to Ke'Andre Miller, and Miller fires over to Heedle on a one-timer on the near circle that would have went through the net if it was any harder. That is the reward for playing good hockey. I know everybody likes to bemoan the north, the east-west play of that first line and the second line for the most part, and it's part of why the kid line has been so consistently good in these playoffs. Those three forwards have just emphasized keeping the puck moving, moving your feet, finding open space, and then when the opportunity is there, just ripping it. Just rip it. Don't worry about making that one extra pass. Just rip it on net, and if you're in a dangerous area, good things will happen. Both of the goals from Heedle tonight, just hard-working goals from the offense that only happen because they're in those puck battles down low and they're winning those puck battles and they're maintaining offensive zone time. It is a lot easier to not play defense at all than it is to play defense. That's just a simple rule of thumb in any of these sports. If you didn't have to play defense and you could always play offense, that would be the ideal game situation. Of course, that's not reality. You can't live like that. But in this game, the Rangers survived the first period. And then in the second period, they started to get, okay, we kind of have a feel for what Tampa wants to do. Tampa's going to take away that middle area of the ice. They're going to play very rigid, not let you get the cross seam pass through. Okay, we're going to have to work along the perimeter. We're going to have to get pucks to the point. And then once we have pucks at the point, then we can start making things happen. Or in the case of the two Heedle goals, okay, we have pucks in high danger areas. Let's get traffic in front of Vasilevsky. Let's give him a not good sight line. Let's give him a one-timer so he has to move from post to post in one fluid movement. That's the kind of stuff that is replicable, that is sustainable. That is success. That is what it takes to win this time of year. I really was impressed with the way this group came out tonight. The first period, again, I, I've said it three times now. It wasn't great, but they survived. They got to the second period 1-1. That's fine. They got that goal from Vitrano, the ugly one from the point that Vasilevsky was a little bit slow getting to. That's fine. That's fine. He, Vasilevsky makes an outstanding save that people are probably going to forget in the scope of this game because of the final score. But Panarin and Strom came in on a 2-on-1 and... Vasilevsky went to his back and kicked up his legs and made an outstanding save on Strom that took away what would have been a goal and would have made it 3-1. to one. Then Tampa came back down, made it 2-2, two to two, and then the kid line got going. The two goals from that Kito-Kako-Lafreniere line, that swung the game. And I would say since game six of the Pittsburgh series, since Lindgren came back, we got good Adam Fox back. I know Fox has been playing dinged up most of the second half of the season. Everybody remembers he missed the week leading up to the All-Star break. The, he had the week off for the All-Star break, and then he came back after that. And he didn't look 100% right. He wasn't as crisp in his decision-making. He was kind of freelancing a little bit more than he usually did and cutting himself out of position, making mistakes more than he usually did. Fox has been out 
outstanding tonight. It is not a coincidence that most of the Rangers' prolonged offensive zone time comes when Fox is on the ice because of his ability to distribute and to read the play. When you see Fox make that play to leap out of the air and snatch that puck and keep it in the offensive zone, and that leads to the Heedle goal, that is purely instincts of knowing where he needs to be at the right time, knowing when the time to jump, knowing where the blue line is while he's in the air so that he doesn't come down outside of the zone. All of those little things manifest just how smart of a player Fox is. Because we all know this. Fox is not blue chip tools kind of guy. He's not six foot four. He's not lightning fast. He doesn't have a wicked shot. He is the smartest guy on the ice every single time he is on the ice. And he makes everybody around him better because he's so dangerous with the puck because he's got these little subtle body feints that are more reminiscent of something you would see in basketball than in hockey that get the defenders moving a little bit off balance so that he can catch them out of position. Or when it comes to the power play, he's like having a fifth forward out there because he reads the play so well. And they scored on the power play again tonight. I know it was kind of when the game was a little bit out of hands. Abinajad scored after they kept firing him the puck like it was your buddies playing threes on NHL, trying to get a hat trick late in the game. Just kept setting up the one tee until it finally went in. He had, I think, three one-timer opportunities from basically the same five-foot area at the top of the circle before one finally went in. Really encouraging stuff from that group. In terms of Tampa, that first goal, the one that Kreider and Zabinijad scored, that's a, okay, okay, we got to get our feet under us kind of goal because McDonough makes the right play. He pinches up there on the stretch pass from Fox to, I want to say it was Vetrano, and Vetrano just tapped it along to Zabinijad, or actually, no, he tapped it along to, yeah, he tapped it along to Zabinijad, and Zabinijad and Kreider had a two-on-one. Just really good start to the game there. And that's one of the things that I pointed out, and I talk about the Rangers all the time. They are a front-running team. And what I mean by that is when they play with a lead, they are significantly better because they're not pressing offensively. When the Rangers are in a one nothing 2-1 kind of game, and they're struggling to score, that's when they get into trouble because they start making too many passes, when they start trying to make the perfect play as opposed to just a good play. Everybody knows perfect is the enemy of good, especially in hockey, especially in the playoffs, when if you just keep working, if you keep moving your feet, you keep getting to loose pucks, that is going to end up making the difference. I A lot of people like to make this stuff more complicated than it actually is. If you are in the right position at the right time and you are going to win loose pucks, that will have a great influence on the outcome of the game. You need to be in those puck battles and you need to be engaged. When the Rangers have been in trouble in these playoffs in the games against Pittsburgh and Carolina where they just got throttled, it's because the forecheck wasn't engaged. The other team had plenty of time to just wait, read, see who was open in the neutral zone, and get to offense. The Rangers' in-zone defense is not great. We all know this. Everybody who watches the team knows their in-zone defense is not great. Truba and Miller still make way too many mistakes in communication. Fox and Lindgren are the Rangers' two best defensemen. 
But none of those guys is going to be confused for Nick Lidstrom or prime Mark Edward Vlasic as a shutdown shot suppressor. Those guys are great because they're good at getting the puck out of the zone and going to offense and not really having to play defense because they're so gifted with other traits. When the Rangers are aggressively forechecking, when they're forcing the other team into making mistakes, that's when they can catch people sleeping, and that is when they can start to snowball on you. That is what this group needs. When they win, they win big because they start playing with confidence, they get rewarded for playing the right way, and that's a point that we really should touch on when we're talking about the Hedo, Kako, Lafreniere line. The reason that group is breaking through now is getting rewarded for good process. I've talked about this all year this year. I've talked about it last year, coming into this season. I wrote about it in August. Hedo has all the tools to be a good player in this league. He's got size. He's got straight line speed. He's got a good shot. The one thing he doesn't have is puck luck. The poor dude has never played with good line mates for an extended period of time before this year. He has never buried pucks from those high danger areas like he has this year i wrote about it at the time i wrote about it then i've talked about it all year this year the best 15 game 10 game spurt we've seen of Heedle in his entire nhl career prior to the playoffs was the first five to ten games of the 2021 season last year where he was playing with Kako and Lafreniere, and he was playing with guys who had a feel for the game. And I know Kako doesn't have a ton of points in these playoffs, and Lafreniere has really kind of established himself as a, a dependable player with a consistent effort level. We can't slack. We cannot slack on the progress that Kako has made in two short seasons, lest we forget the poor rookie that came over here under David Quinn. And really was just not at NH- NHL speed. Uh, I, I understand the quality of play and the style of play is very different in the Finnish Elite League where Kaka was coming over from. That's part of the adjustment process. But the Rangers did him no favors by making him learn on the fly. And now you see what Kako can be. He is using all of his frame to create space for himself. Now, the next part of that evolution is going to be using that space to set up other people. That was the hardest part of Kako's learning curve over the first two seasons of his NHL career. When he first got over here in that rookie season, the 2019-2020 season, anytime he had the puck in the offensive zone, he was just ripping it wherever he was. He wasn't trying to skate. He wasn't looking to set anybody up. He was just so worried about making a mistake that instead of trying to read the play, worrying about losing the puck, just rip it from wherever he was on the ice. And it led to a lot of really low quality chances that didn't really have a good chance of going in. And it led to, you know, confidence issues because he wasn't playing with confidence. The Rangers dropped him down the lineup. He didn't get to play with as good of players. Everybody remembers the Larry David Kako game against Calgary where he had scored a goal, but he took a penalty. So David Quinn put him on the fourth line and Larry David went on the Michael K show and complained about it. You saw it tonight on that goal. He's on the first Heedle goal. He set up the one from below the goal line. He won that loose puck because he used his frame to create space. He read the play. He waited for Heedle to make his break for the open spot on the ice and he set him up. And then Lafreniere, 
Lafreniere has always been about his playmaking. That is what he is supposed to be. He's never going to be a 35-40 goal guy. He's going to be, if everything breaks right and he has good line mates, he's going to be a 75-80 to 80 point playmaker on the wing who's going to do such a good job of setting people up. And the thing with him that's been so encouraging in these playoffs, and I keep using the word encouraging because I'm still framing this along the lines of, I don't really expect the Rangers to win this series or the Stanley Cup, even though we're only seven wins away now, but progress. Lafreniere has a lot more confidence in his game. He is more willing to engage in puck battles. He is willing to move his feet, initiate contact in a way that he wasn't last year and the beginning of this season. And when you play with confidence and you repeatedly play with good process, eventually good results happen. What's that old football saying? Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, it. every single hockey play has some luck baked into it because of the way hockey is. The sport has so many variables at any given time. Weird things happen. You keep working at it. Eventually good things will happen. Yes, they are getting a little bit luckier with their shooting ba- ba- their shooting luck than they have been in the past. That was the biggest problem with Hito Kako and Lafreniere playing in- together in the past. They had no puck luck. They would be an on-ice shooting percentage of like 4% when the league average is 7.5. No wonder none of them have gaudy point totals because none of them can finish. Now that they're playing with a little bit of confidence, they're getting a bit better feel for each other where they're going to be they're able to set up each other a little bit better. The passes are a little bit more crisp. And playing with confidence is so important when it comes to hockey. It's so important because of just how much goes into every single sequence. You think about the sheer number of touches of the puck in a hockey game. Not passes, not shots. How many times a stick from one of the 18 skaters or two goalies touches the puck that goes into creating seven total goals in a game. You're talking about hundreds, if not thousands of touches of the puck to create six or seven goals. Playing with confidence makes those touches, makes your share of those 736 puck touches more valuable than the other teams if you're playing with confidence. And that is something really, really valuable now because... Tampa is a good team. Tampa will make a run. Tampa will get sustained pressure. They are flying around out there with Stamkos and Kucherov, who both had good games tonight. I I know they lost 5-2, to two and it kind of snowballed on them there in the second period, but I was terrified any time Kucherov or Stamkos had the puck in the offensive zone against the Rangers. I mean, just Stamkos was ripping shots, and... Let's let's not forget, Shosturkin made a couple of great saves on Kucherov. I mean, saves where Shosturkin was out of the paint and Kucherov was less than three feet away from him, and Shosturkin still somehow made the damn save. And those are the kind of saves, again, that build confidence. The one area I thought the Rangers kind of had a hard time with, at, at least in the first period, was their zone exits. They were not getting out of the zone, and Tampa was really ratcheting up pressure. And Igor bailed them out there, and that's been the recipe all year. But the second and third period were what the Rangers were. 
in March and April after the trade deadline. They were flying. And in the first period, when the Rangers weren't really moving the puck well, it was because they were kind of cheating. They were looking for that long stretch pass to get to offense because the Rangers are a rush-based offense. And then, slowly but surely, because they ratcheted up the forecheck, they stopped having to go as far. When the game isn't below your own goal line and you only have to go like halfway through the neutral zone and then into the offensive zone to get to offense, it's a lot easier than having to go the full 210 feet. Uh, That's just, it's simple math. It's a lot easier to go a shorter distance than a longer distance. And as the game wore on, the Rangers had to start going shorter and shorter distances It allows for more offense. If you're constantly in the other team's zone, eventually you're going to be able to establish your zone entries. You're going to start getting your cycle going more consistently. And even if you're not a cycle team like the Rangers aren't, that's one of the things they really struggled with during the course of the regular season, you can find a way to get something going. And that's what the Rangers did tonight. The only line that wasn't great tonight was the Panarin cop Strom line. And even they were fine. My biggest gripe with them always has been and always will be their defense because Strom it just gives them nothing defensively and Panarin is playing hurt, so he's not really giving them a ton. So it's leaving a lot of responsibility on Cop and the defensive pairs to cover for those two guys' mistakes. But all in all That's about as complete an effort as we've seen from the Rangers in this playoffs, period. When you think about what went wrong for Tampa in this game, it was stuff that the Rangers were really struggling with. They could not get out of their own zone. They were turning the puck over into those dangerous areas. They weren't doing a great job in the neutral zone of getting to offense after the first period. And as the game went along, you felt it starting to slip away from them as the Rangers started to play with more confidence. And I think Tampa will be better defensively. I I talked about it on the preview episode. One of the things that Tampa's really good at is blocking shots. And I thought that would be an issue for the Rangers because Tampa's going to clog up that middle part of the ice where the Rangers love to fire those cross-seam passes. But that didn't seem to be an issue tonight because, for the most part, the Rangers weren't forcing that extra pass aside from the Panarin and Strom line at 5-on-5. On the power play, it's different because you have that number advantage and you can work the point in as well. But at 5-on-5, I think the Rangers did a really good job of taking what Tampa was giving them defensively and getting the puck to those sensitive areas. That is what's going to make things... That is where the Rangers can exploit Tampa, because Tampa's defensive pairs are really good. Uh, Hedman and Chernak is a really, really nice 1A. 1A as in Hedman, who's, you know, won a Norris and is probably going to finish second or third this year again for the umpteenth time. And uh, Chernak, who's a pretty solid, but not... Chernak is kind of similar to what Lindgren is, where he plays off of the other guy, and because the other guy is so good... Being such a complimentary piece makes it fit together so well. And then McDonough Bogosian didn't have a great night. They were on the ice for a couple of goals against. And then Sergachev and Foot have been Tampa's weakest D pair all playoffs. They were a real problem against Toronto, especially in the first couple of games when those games were kind of out of hands, the ones that Tampa won by multiple goals. That was because of Sergachev and Foot. And then tonight in this game, 
That's who the Rangers scored a bulk of the goals against with Sergachev and Foot because they could not generate any zone exits. And when you pressure a defensive pair repeatedly over and over again, that is how you can sway the flow of a game. And I think without Braden Point, Tampa is relying on very few guys to put together a lot of offense. I mean, Shelbs mentioned this on the preview episode that right now the the Lightning's two leading scorers in these playoffs, at least coming into tonight, were Ross Colton and Corey Perry. And most of Perry's came on the power play because he's playing in the Braden Point bumper role and that's in that high danger area of the ice right near the goalie. But when you're going to load up that first line like they did tonight where they played Stamkos with Sorelli and Kucherov, that's really leaving the rest of your lineup thin. And, like, I like a lot of the individual pieces that Tampa has. Like, Palat is still a very solid player. Nick Paul is probably a little out of his depth playing in the top six, but he's competent enough where if you play him with confident wingers, he'll be okay. With Kalorn and Palat, that's not a bad line. I think that's more of a third line than a second line, though. And then the third line on paper of Hagel, Colton, and Perry, that's a really good high upside third line. But again, the high-end talent of years past, it's not as well distributed throughout the lineup because you don't have Braden Point. In years past, you would be able to play Point and Sorelli down the middle and then have Stamkos play wing on one of those lines and in years past, they've slid Stamkos down and other guys up to kind of distribute the offense more evenly but because they're kind of shallow right now without Point, they the Lightning are going to have to be a little bit more creative when it comes to creating offense. With three lines of guys who are better at grinding than what you would call pretty hockey, and I say that in air quotes, Tampa's going to have to work harder for offense, and that is something the Rangers can exploit. If those lines are constantly doing dump and chase, all you got to do is have your forwards come back a little bit more. And instead of being at the blue line waiting for the breakout pass, be closer to the top of the circles so that Tampa can't outpinch you and outwork you. That is something the Rangers can be opportunistic about. Tampa is going to have to play uglier hockey, and they are going to have to work harder for their offense. Now, one game does not define a series. Vasilevsky has otherworldly numbers in games after a loss. Uh, hang on, I'll pull them up. I, I know the, I know I have them handy off the top of my head because one of my friends sent them in a group chat. Okay, since 2020, the 2020 playoffs, the bubble playoffs, in games after a loss, Andre Vasilevsky is 17 and 0. He has a goals against average of 1.47 a save percentage of 942, and he has five shutouts in those 17 games. Those are superhuman numbers. And yes, that's in part to team effort. Teams typically, good teams typically play better after a loss because they know what they have to fix. And Tampa's a good team. Make no mistake. I know a lot of Ranger fans probably feel a little bit like sticking their chests, puffing their chests out, a little bit cock of the walk type energy right now, but it's one game. It's the reason people chanting Igor's better in the third period with 10 minutes to go made me uncomfortable. 
Do people not remember the Can You Hear Us from 2010? Like, I know there are a lot of people who are newer in the Ranger sphere of things who weren't as invested in hockey or just, you know, were like six years old in 2010. Go take the time and go on YouTube and look up the Can You Hear Us? Or take the time and go look up what happened to Matt Harvey after Met fans chanted Harvey's better at Steven Strasburg. I think that was like six or seven years ago now. Don't tempt fate. The sports gods do not like fans who tempt fate. That is all I am saying. One game does not equal four. Long way to go. It is easier to win three games out of six than four out of seven. Still got to take care of business. I know I know the king himself, John Rivers, is kind of tired of this talk, but the, the job not finished, okay? It's okay to be happy. It's one game. The Rangers will not cakewalk their way through the rest of this series. Tampa will make adjustments, and Tampa will get a little bit more creative. We're going to see. Point did skate on Wednesday morning. He skated after practice was over. He is probably not coming back in this series. And, yes, that is a real advantage for the Rangers. It's a long way to go. Okay. Real quick, before I get everybody out of here, I do want to touch base on the Oilers and Avalanche game from Tuesday night, which was just pure chaos. Very, very chaotic game. I would say fun slash entertaining game. I wouldn't say a good hockey game. I mean, neither of those teams was particularly interested in playing defense. None of Neither of those goalies was particularly interested in playing goalie. I know Darcy Kemper got hurt and Pavel Francois had to go in. I know Mike Smith got pulled for um, Miko Koiskinen, but I would like to see a little bit of defense at some point in that series to make the hockey a little bit more hockey-ish as opposed to like all-star game hockey-ish that's all i'm saying it's fine that the it was high scoring it was entertaining it was good for social media the game was very fun to follow along with because people were having a field day i mean poor ashley turner running the sportsnet twitter account ran out of captions to tweet there were so many goals scored in that game mcdavid tried his damnedest uh that defense is not good, the Edmonton defense. I know a lot of Oiler fans were in my replies complaining about me mocking Cody CC and Duncan Keith. Those guys aren't very good. Like, Cody CC's fine, but, like, not great. And Tyson Berry's not actually good at playing defense. He's good at offense. So maybe slow your roll. It's nice that the Oilers are here. I hope that series kind of gets into a nice groove where the, there's some back and forth and both teams win a couple games so we have a six or seven gamer. Because watching those all those high-end players on the ice at the same time, that's awesome. That is what the conference finals are supposed to look like. They're supposed to be superstars all over the place. Any given time in that series, you're looking on the ice, you see McDavid and Dreisaitl and McKinnon and Landeskog and Rantanen and Kel McCarr and Devontae's, and there's just all of this talent all over the place playing hockey at the highest level. And I had this conversation in the Gotham Slack with Ethan about what player you would take in hockey if you couldn't take McDavid, and we both agreed it's Kel McCarr. I think McCarr is a superhuman. I think Makar is the future of hockey. 
I think Fox, Adam Fox, is the future of hockey. The defenseman who can play defense like a forward, that is where hockey is going. We're going to start seeing more and more guys who have a little bit more positional ambiguity. And I think that's a real evolutionary thing we can see. I mean, we see it in basketball now where we see guys with non-traditional sizes or skill sets playing different positions. And I think that's the next way you can evolve as a hockey team is having one of these premier offensive guys on your back ends to flow your offense through where it's almost like having a four and one configuration as opposed to a, uh, yeah, a four and one configuration as opposed to a three and two configuration. And that's the kind of thing that's really interesting to me as a strategy person. Makar's outstanding. Devontae's is fucking amazing. It's absurd. Lou Limarillo won a GM of the year award after trading him for two second round picks. Uh, say a prayer for the goalies. Uh, I hope Darcy Kemper's okay. He already had an injury thing earlier in these playoffs where he got a stick to the eye. That was pretty ugly. Hopefully he's okay. I'm having fun. That's all I want at this point of the year. It is a privilege to be playing hockey when it is shorts weather. That's about all you can ask for as a hockey fan. I'm not going to come out and say I feel like the Rangers can do this yet because they got to put together a few games in a row to do that. But let's just say I'm not terribly shocked they played well tonight. I mean, Tampa didn't play in nine days. That is a hell of a layoff to come off of. I forget what the stat was they showed during the broadcast, but all time teams coming off of one day rest versus I think seven or more days of rest were like 17 and 0 in the playoffs, something ridiculous like that. So Tampa will adjust. Tampa will not be nearly as bad as they were in game one and game two. And the Rangers will have to adapt to that. They will have to be able to weather the storm. They will have to be the ones that survive the prolonged defensive zone times as opposed to Tampa. Any team that has Nikita Kucherov cannot be counted out. When that man needs to make a play, there are very few players in the entire sport who are better at finding a play when they need one than Kucherov. Ask any Ranger fan about the 2015 Eastern Conference Finals and Nikita Kucherov, and they will have the helicopters overhead. Okay, that will just about do it for today's show. Probably no Friday show. It depends. I'm waiting to see what the weather looks like for Thursday because I'm supposed to go to the 7 o'clock Yankee game. I have tickets for that. That looks like it might get rained out too. So I might just bite the bullet and buy tickets to the 1 o'clock game too. Go to the 1 o'clock game and then pray the 7 o'clock game doesn't get rained out too. So I can go to both. But I need to see Otani. I need to see Mike Trout. If I go to both games, there will be no podcast on Friday. If I only go to the 7 o'clock game because the weather forecast improves... There will probably be a podcast on Friday. If I do not talk to you guys until Monday, I hope everybody has a good weekend. I hope the weather starts cooperating here in the Northeast. I know the Mets are on the West Coast, but it's nice to be able to do things outside that aren't going to baseball games. Okay. I will see you guys either tomorrow or Monday. Hope the weather holds out, and then you will have an episode tomorrow. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I'll see you guys then.